Thank you for that and for all of the wonderful music this morning. If you want to open your Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 1, I'm going to read two scriptures, one from John, chapter 1, and the other from 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, just one verse, uh, the closing verse, verse 15. And uh, before I read those, I invite you to bow with me for a brief time of meditation and prayer together. Thank you, Holy God, for your presence in our lives and for your work in our world and for coming to earth to be our Savior. We do pray today for each person gathered here in this place for worship. We pray your special listening grace for them and speaking grace for me. We pray your blessings on our congregation today as they deal with sickness and suffering, struggles and life decisions, family issues. We pray for our South Dakota team, a a safe trip home today, and continued blessings in that wonderful partnership of sharing. We ask God that you open our hearts to hear old words with fresh understanding, that our lives might be open to the new truth you have for us today. Through Christ we pray, amen. And now I'll read from John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, and I invite you, if you're able to stand, as I read aloud from God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. And he came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, Who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. And then that one verse, a sort of response to all that God has done, as the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. May God bless this reading and hearing of his word. You may be seated. Well, if you have uh, hung around me very much at Advent season, you know that A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens is one of my favorite stories. I actually never get tired of that story, whether it's uh, on the screen or in a live play, or reading the book. Uh, It's just, it's so simple and so profound. It's so memorable in all of its depictions. And old Ebenezer Scrooge, if he isn't everybody all rolled into one, I don't know who is. He he had his own little war on Christmas, didn't he? Uh, He was just never happy. In fact, it doesn't show up in uh, any of the movie versions I know, but in the book, this is what Ebenezer Scrooge says about Christmas. He says, every idiot 
who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips, should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Whoa! Ouch, Ebenezer, you're a little harsh, aren't you? That's what, that's what Ebenezer said. And uh, something tells me that uh, Scrooge was having just a little bit of trouble getting into the spirit of Christmas. He was struggling to, to get the Christmas idea of giving. Uh, and in our culture, of course, gift giving is, is such a central part to Christmas. If you ask any child what her favorite part of Christmas is, what's she going to say? Presents, right? Uh, you ask any adult, what's your favorite part about Christmas? They usually say something like, well, watching children, whether grandchildren, children, nieces, nephews, friends, open presents because it's, it's just so special. I want to ask you a question. What's the most memorable gift you ever received as a child at Christmas time? Think about it for just a moment. And some of the children here, by the way, are saying, I don't know yet, I'll tell you in about 11 days, you know. Think about it for just a moment. I, among, among my very favorite as a, when I was a boy was a, a shiny pair of cowboy boots. Uh, I went through this stage when I was about nine years old where I wanted to be a cowboy. That's all I could think about. Now, I got over it, I want you to know. But those, those boots smelled so good and they felt so good. And it was just so magical and so special. We all love uh, those memories of very, very special gifts. Um, I wonder if you have ever thought about where the tradition of gift giving at Christmas time uh, came from. You ever think about that? You know, why, why do we do this? What, what generated this tradition? Well, like all ancient traditions, there are lots of reasons. There's no one simple cause and effect, a whole uh, confluence of things, and, and we don't have time to sort them all out, nor do we know them all. But, of course, one of them would be obvious. Uh, when Jesus was a baby the magi, the wise men, brought him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so that would be the beginning of that tradition. Uh, and, and think about this as another possibility. God set the pace. God modeled for us what it is to love and what it is to be in a relationship. God set the pace. God teaches us about giving And if you listen carefully in that Gospel of John, uh, in the 14th verse, the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we've seen His glory full of grace and truth. Now, the word grace means gift. The word grace means undeserved. It means unmerited. You didn't work for it. The word grace means free. And in case you don't know it this morning, God's love for you is free. It's not conditional. God doesn't love you if and love you when. God loves you, period. Nothing you have to do to make God love you. Nothing you could ever do to keep God from loving you. And that's news to some people because they've pictured God as angry, as distant, as vengeful and uncaring. But the gospel is that God is grace, God gives, God loves, and God loves us all with a perfect love. And that's, that's news. So that I could reread verse 14 by saying, the word became flesh and lived among us, 
and we've seen His glory, full of gifts and truth. Full of gifts and truth, because God is the giver. Now, sometimes I think during the Advent season, we stop a little short. Uh, We always say, well, God's love, and God gave us Jesus. And we get Christmas cards, and we receive greetings through the email, and we say to one another, you know, God's best, best gift is Jesus. God gave us Jesus. And we sort of just stop there. And we don't unpack all that it means that God sent Jesus. And John's gospel, the first chapter, is a rich treasure that helps us unpack a little bit of that. And I want you to think with me for just a moment what it means that God gave Jesus. Well, first of all, it's a mind-blowing mystery and wonder that God the Creator became human, became flesh. Those first three verses of John's gospel, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. And everything that was made came into existence by Him, so that the Creator God is there in the manger. Think about this. The Creator God is there in the, in the crib, a helpless baby lying on the straw in a wooden feeding trough. And as A.W. Tozer has said, think about it, the baby is lying on the straw which he made. The baby is lying in a crib which he made. That's the wonder of the Incarnation. That's the mystery of it. There's another fascinating blessing of this gift that Jesus in this scripture is not called Jesus, nor is he called Christ, Messiah, Lord. What's he called in the scripture? He's called the Word, capital W in translations. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and lived among us. Why does, why does John call Jesus the Word? Because one of the best gifts that God could give us is the gift of His communication, the gift of His personal love message. He's, he's called the Word because He's what God has to say about Himself and what God hopes for us and plans for us. He's the Word made flesh, God sent that personal message. We, we understand, don't we, that if you really care about somebody, you'll communicate with that person. In fact, if somebody's having a falling out, a falling out and a disagreement, uh, we sometimes hear the phrase, well, we're not on speaking terms right now. Or when we're upset with someone, one of the quickest ways we can show that is by not speaking to that person. And John says, Jesus is God's word. He's God's communication to us. He's God's love letter to us. I was reading the memoirs of a prisoner of war who served in in brutal conditions. And he was reflecting on that many years later when he was home safe and sound. And he said, on any given day, as a prisoner of war, I would have given up all of my food rations for that day for one letter from home. Gladly give up food 
for one letter from somebody I love. Because hearing from people we care about is sustenance to the soul. It it nourishes us. That's the gift of Jesus. But there's another part to the Word being made flesh. And that is that when we read the words, the Word became flesh and lived among us, we begin to understand that everything that we have experienced in life, Jesus himself experienced. Jesus was born in a barn, homeless. If you've ever been homeless, or you've ever been in danger of losing your home, Jesus whispers in your ear, I know, I've been there. If you've ever been lonely, Jesus whispers in your ear, I know what that's like. If you've ever been frightened, Jesus says, I know. You ever been mistreated? Falsely accused? Jesus says, I know, I've been there. And some of us this morning may even be at the place where we're saying, I'm dying. I'm dying and there's nothing I can do to stop it. Jesus whispers in your ear, I know. I've been there. I've done that. That is an enormous gift to have a Savior like that. So when we talk about God gave us Jesus, that's some of what we need to know and unpack and and rejoice in. Now, we might also ask ourselves, what should be our response to this incredible gift? If, If God has set the pace in giving, by giving us Jesus, what should be our response Well, the first is jaw-dropping awe and wonder. That's why I included that scripture from 2 Corinthians 9, 15, where the Apostle Paul says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And I like the way the Amplified Bible translates that. His gift, precious beyond telling, indescribable, inexpressible, and free. That's That's how the Apostle Paul responded when he thought about how much God has given when God has given Jesus. His gift, precious beyond telling, inexpressible, indescribable, and free. What a gift. But there's another response when we see God setting the bar at gift giving, and you know what that is. We can can become givers ourselves. We We can begin to imitate God by being givers. Some of you are sitting, thought, sitting there and thinking, well, I thought he was done with his stewardship, uh, stewardship sermon series and he wasn't going to talk to us anymore about money. Well, I am, I am done with that except to say thank you for faithful tithes and offerings and uh, for faithful giving and not only through the offering plate on Sunday morning but through your classes. Some of you adopt families. Some of you do things many uh, others don't see. Uh, special projects, giving to missions, the, the uh, boxes that we sent to South Dakota. By the way, if you haven't 
read in today's uh, bulletin, 411 shoeboxes delivered to South Dakota. Last year, we delivered 252. And uh, I'm just so thankful for that partnership with South Dakota because I'm figuring whatever we gave, we got back in many blessings. And uh, Melissa texted me this morning before uh, this worship service and said that over 900 uh, Lakota have been the recipients of some kind of Christmas gift or distribution or expression of love from First Baptist Church. 900 Lakota Sioux, Pine Ridge. And I'm grateful to God to serve a church that is so generous. But I want to think a little beyond the typical when I, when I say that God has given us the model for giving and we can imitate him. I'm wondering what kind of a small, unexpected, random kinds of kind things you and I might do between now and Christmas as a way of giving to Jesus. For example, have you seen those harried and rushed UPS and FedEx drivers? They're looking at their sheet and they're trying to, or their, their uh, uh, device trying to keep up and trying to get finished before midnight with all their deliveries. I wonder if there's anything kind we could do for them when we see them come to the door. I wonder if there's anything kind we could do for our mail carriers during this stressful season. And I wonder maybe about a kind word to a clerk in a department store instead of an irritated word about how long it took. And I wonder about something kind that we could do not only through tips but through a word of encouragement to the wait staff in the restaurants uh, where we eat during this holiday season. I just, I wonder so much about so many little things. And, and then, you know, sometimes we save our best behavior for strangers and we are our worst in our own homes. I wonder what random act of kindness we could do for the people in our own family, for the people in our own house, to just surprise somebody with some kindness and to give them something that would be a blessing and a special gift. And I, I want to warn you that becoming a giving person will transform you. It is transformative when we learn to get in that giving zone, to live in that kindness zone. It transformed Scrooge. Over the course of that great story, he, uh, he went through a lot of changes. And by the end of the book, this is what Dickens says about Scrooge. His own heart laughed, and it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. Could that be said about you? That your heart laughs? It's the pink candle Sunday. Is your heart laughing? Does your heart know how to laugh? And do you know how to keep Christmas well? If you don't, it probably has something to do with your giver being broken. And if you can fix your giver, you can have some joy this Christmas season. And you know, when it all comes down to it, there's only one of two things you can do with a gift. You can either accept it or you can reject it. That's what John's saying in this prologue in John chapter 1. He came into his own and his own rejected him. But to as many as received him, 
to them he gave power to become children of God. It's only one of two things you can do with God's gift this morning. You can accept it or you can reject it. To accept God's gift is to receive his son Jesus Christ into the center of your life to trust him as Lord and Savior. I'd like for you to bow your heads.